Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Collide Leadership Podcast. Our vision is to help equip ministry leaders in the Northeastern United States by providing you access to the leading thinkers and practitioners of our day. We want you to have the necessary tools to thrive in your identity and calling in Jesus. Would you do me an incredibly huge favor? If the Collide Leadership Podcast has touched you in some way over the years, would you mind sharing it with a friend or better yet, share it with a friend and post it on social media? We want to be able to share uh, what our fantastic guests have to say with as many ministry leaders as possible. And you speaking well of us is a huge, huge help. So let me introduce you to our guest again today. It's my honor to welcome back into the Collide studio, Pastor Miles McPherson. He joined us last session as we talked about his book, The Third Option, and today we're going to continue the conversation about diversity in the church. Welcome, Pastor Miles. Uh, we're so glad to have you in. Glad to be here. Uh, pastor Miles is the founding pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, California, and today we're going to talk about how we can begin to build a diverse leadership team in the local church. Um, so let me just start with this. When you founded the Rock Church, did you envision that this church would be a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational church, or did that happen by accident? It, it, had, it happened because the youth ministry I had beforehand and everything I had done in ministry was diverse. I started uh, a youth ministry maybe 16 years before I started the church, mm-hmm. and we had nine nationalities in my house. And I just started it in my house with the neighborhood kids. I wasn't part of the church at the time. I was still playing football with the San Diego Chargers and just started inviting kids from my neighborhood to mm. my house. And we had nine nationalities. So then I became a youth pastor, and, and that continued. And then I became a Sunday night uh, bio, you know, teaching pastor, and it was diverse. And then we started the church. So it just always has been that way. Hmm. Uh, you know, this is just, I'm curious, and in my limited experience of watching ministry leaders, some of the, some of the folks that I see develop diversity best are ones that have grown up in diversity. Mm-hmm. Are, do you see that as true as well in your in your experience? I know we're speaking completely anecdotally here now, just from our own experiences. Yeah, I think that I haven't thought about that, but I, it makes sense because people who grow up around one group will be more uncomfortable with groups that they have little experience with, uh-huh. and they have only anecdotal experience. Um, so. Uh, yes, people who have grown up with around different kinds of people. Um, I'm an athlete. I, I think athletes have an advantage because we mm. have intimate relationships that are very deep with a, a diverse group, which is mm. our team, especially football being the best sport in the world. Yeah, as of, we course. All, of course. Of yeah, course. We all know that. Yeah. And, you know, because you have a real brotherhood with 50, 90 guys, right? Yeah. And so you you get to know people at a deeper level. Mm. Um, and then you realize all, the, all that divert vision stuff, you know, is, is you don't want to do that. Yeah. So one or two practical pieces of advice for the white, the black, the Hispanic pastor, ministry leader that has grown up in a primarily um, monocultural setting. What, what are some things that they can do to begin to think outside of their skin color? Yeah. They have to do it for the right reasons. You always want to get your why right. Uh, Because sometimes we want to get, you know, we'll have that black guy in the band or the Hispanic guy and we'll say, there we go. We're good. Yeah. That's the wrong motivation. Uh, The motivation should be we want to reach everybody with Mm -hmm. the gospel and and we want to understand how to do that. And so start reaching people. And the Bible says that uh, in Galatians 6, 2, to bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, if I don't understand your burden, if I don't have empathy for your burden, if I don't have compassion for your burden, or if I don't even believe you have a burden, because I think you're making it up and exaggerating, Mm. there's going to be no ministry there. 
Yeah. And so you want to have the right why. We have a diverse staff. We have a diverse volunteer force. We are equipped with people from every zip code and every type of neighborhood in San Diego. So we can go into every neighborhood with people from those neighborhoods. So we, one of the reasons you want to have a diverse staff and diverse church is so you can have a diverse army mm. to take the gospel everywhere. And again, it, it has to become from the right heart because if it's just to, you know, check a box or say, hey, look, we have all these nationalities. I've had one church. They said, we have all these, I don't know how many they told me, but it was Italy, France, Germany. It was, it was all white nationalities. Now, that's fine, but what's the point? Yeah. You know, why, you know, what, what is your goal and why is, that a bit, why is that important to you? And so I think have, deciding the why is very important. And one of the ways the pastor can start that process is one, decide what's your geographic area that you're reaching. Again, don't redline the only na the neighborhood that's just like you, but pick, ask God, God, what is the geographic area you want me to minister to? And if all you have in that area is white people, then you really don't have a, a, a choice. But you, what you don't want to do is just pick the area that's like you. You want yeah. to let God decide what the area it is. And if you're in a, in a multicultural city or there's a community not like you a couple miles away and another community not like you, well, listen, include them and say, okay, yeah. now we want to, how do I as a pastor become all things to all people? And the first thing I would say to the pastor is start building relationships from those neighborhoods and building relationships with people who are different than you so you can speak from firsthand knowledge and with a firsthand level of compassion for people who are different versus saying, hey, can y'all go get somebody just so I can be off the hook yeah. as the pastor to say we're diverse? Because yeah. I have a lot of pastors that will brag about the diversity of the people in the pews or they'll brag about the diversity of the people on staff. But their ministry is not to those people. And I'll explain in a minute. There are people who are sitting in churches that are diverse, mm. but the ministry of the church is not reaching them. It's either politically inconsistent with where they're from, which is why being political is very dangerous, um, or the issues that the pastor is raising are only for the people who are like him. Mm. And the people in his church who are not like him their issues are not being addressed through the through the preaching, the messages, or the initiatives of the church. And so there may be people in your church who look different, but they may not feel like they're really included because their issues aren't being spoken of because you don't care or you don't know, you don't understand. And so I would tell the pastor, get educated on what's really going on with the immigrants. Don't take your cues from the news. What's really going on with the black community, the white community, the police issue? Find out the facts the best you can so you can speak intelligently with the people and from the pulpit because you, your job is to educate and minister to your whole church. And not only do you want to minister to the people who are not like you, but you want to help the people who are like you understand the people who are not like you. Yeah, That's a big responsibility, but that's our responsibility. We yeah. have to do that. No, that's good. I mean, absolutely. And I think another another thing that we need to be careful of or just just keep in mind as ministry leaders is it, it is so important to have a posture of humility that's what opens us up to the perspective of the other right is to say i'm not coming in so that i can make you look like me i i've seen that in a lot of churches as well right that the, they are very diverse but their practices are monocultural mm -hmm. right and it's not always you know it, it could be any culture but all right we're going to do it this way because this way is 
right? The right way. Mm -hmm. And that's what we talked about in our last session, right? Mm -hmm. That's another way of saying us versus them, right and wrong. Now, of course, there are right and wrongs, but there are a lot of things that are just different, Mm -hmm. all right? And so when we say our way of practicing church is the right way, therefore you're welcome here and we want you here, you just have to do it our way. It's just Mm -hmm. another subtle way of saying, well... Maybe they were, their way's better, and if it's not better, it's certainly different, and are we appreciating those differences? And, and I just, ministry leader, we, are, we use the word leader, and it's important. Leadership is influence. Influence is leading people to Christ and helping them know who Jesus Christ is. Absolutely essential to church. I'll always believe that. That's why we call this the ministry, uh, or this podcast, a leadership podcast. But at the same time, ministry leaders, we are called to humility. And more than any other profession, we need to own humility because it's what brings us into connection with Christ. Jesus came as the suffering servant. He'll come back as the king. Mm -hmm. So stop living like kings Mm -hmm. before he comes back as king and experience that suffering servant, right? And just walking in the shoes of another. And and let me add to what you just said because it's very good. Take advantage of the people who are different uh, from you to learn. Mm. You know, I have a chapter on blind spots, and blind spot is basically being blind to what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I asked, and I'll I'll do this at the conference, and I ask audiences, how many women here know guys who are creepy? And all of them just start laughing and saying amen. I don't know any woman who has not been around right. a creepy guy. But those creepy, creepy guys aren't guys in the alley. They're their coworkers. Mm. They're your dad, your uncle. And there are guys listening right now, you are that creepy guy. And you don't even realize it because you've been creepy so long, you're just so used to do You, you think the things yeah. you do are, are normal. Okay, are normal. Yeah. And if you went up to some women in your life, which I, which I doubt, I'm, I think there's a lot of guys saying, I'll never ask that question, <laughs> am I the creepy guy? But man, can you imagine if a woman told you, you know, when you do this, this is what it makes me feel like, and, and you're married. Imagine how liberating that would be to you. Mm. We all have those kind of blind spots racially with people. We mm. say things that are dumb. We say things, we, you know, we have the jokes and, and the ignorant things. And, and if we ask people, if we, if we took advantage of the people who were different than us and say, help me understand what I don't see. Imagine how empowering that would be. So it's not that you go around. Now, there may be some people who you don't want to beat you down. Okay, get over that. Get Not those people. There are far more people who would love to educate people and say, look, when you do this, when you say this, uh, you know, I've had a, I had a conversation with a ministry leader last week. And he's saying all this stuff and he really doesn't even know. And I said, let me, let me, let me give you, let me help you. I wouldn't say this. Well, I, I didn't, that's not what I meant. I said, no, this is what you said. So I would say it this way because here's what it sounds like. Mm. Um, and if you have people in your life who are different, what an education would be to say, is anything I say is offensive? And yeah. by the way, if there is ever anything I say, can you just help me? Just pull me aside. The, 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 the black people that I know, I, I venture to say 100%, I, there may be 1% or 2%, but I don't know any people of color who wouldn't be honored to educate people in a loving, encouraging way when asked in that context. Because we're tired of it, right? We, we've been hit a wall so many times trying to talk about it. Mm. When someone says, can you tell me? It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It, that you you will get a response that is I don't know what people with response people would think they would get but you will get a such an honorable response and you will make a friend immediately if you ask them that mm, that's a good word 
So, Pastor, are we willing to ask that question? Because we're, we're going to need to ask it. And it's not a one-time question either, is it? I mean, it, it's a question that needs to be asked on a regular basis. Is that right, Pastor Miles? Yeah, well, it's, 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 or it's, hey, you three people, can you just anytime for the rest of mm. our life, right? You Building can keep asking them, but yeah. just anytime you see anything I say, um, and go up to the women you have, women in your life, say, look, is anything I say is offensive as yeah, a, a, against women? Um, and, and, you know, just own it and grow. Yeah. And it may be uncomfortable for a, a couple of minutes, yeah, sure, but man, be. you, what, how different and how, how much better will you be off after that conversation? Confession's a lot like that, isn't it? Uh, it's uncomfortable in the moment, but it uh, brings us freedom uh, from the, the bondage of sin. So amen. So let, let's talk about what are some of the unique challenges that you've experienced over the years of being someone who's leading a diverse team? You know, um, I would say one thing to be sensitive to is to be sensitive to everybody's perspective mm-hmm. and be at times a referee where people have a different perspective. Sometimes you'll have a person in the room. I give a perfect example. We had a shooting three years ago, uh, and, and I have a whole chapter dedicated to this story, but we had a, a shooting where a police officer shot an uh, African immigrant, and it was filmed. And the city blew up. It was the only time in my life there in 37 years that I've been in San Diego, 35 years, that um, we had protests for a week every day, every night. And it was on the news every day because of this, because of this incident. And it was happening when there were a lot of shootings going on. Mm-hmm. And it happened on a uh, Tuesday. On Wednesday, we had a staff meeting, so a, a pastor's meeting. So we have 30 pastors in the room. We have 10 nationalities. Mm. So we said, okay, fellas, um, I said, I got to preach on this Sunday. I don't, I don't make, when stuff like that happens, I usually do a whole sermon right, you know, right yeah. away. So we did a whole sermon on it. And I said, let's talk about it right now. And in that room, we had African-American pastors saying, hey, um, I got to tell my son how to respond when he gets stopped by the police. We had another pastor's wife says, I can't imagine ever having to tell my kid that. We had another pastor who was a former cop saying, hey, what about the cop? His life is ruined, and what about his family? And another yeah. another guy said, my brother is in SWAT, and he's standing out there tonight risking his life because of the, of the protest. And so in the room of my pastors, we have difference. We're on every corner you can imagine, and there was tension in the room. Mm. Because there were people in there who agreed with the protest, and there were people there who didn't agree. There were people in there who agreed with the shooting, and some who didn't. Well, this represents the thousands of people in my church that I'm going to talk to on Sunday. And so I had to, and you know, when I stand up there and say, look, I'm going to talk about the shooting, which I did. I, I even said, some of you in here believe it's justified and some of you believe in, in here who don't think it's justified. They're sitting right in front of me. And this is a perfect example of the pastor. If I would have went up there and said, the shooting was justified. There was a video. I have all these people who believe it wasn't justified because of how they saw it. My job is to bring peace. My job is to bring perspective. My job is to bring a third option. By the way, this is where I get the title of third yeah, option. Interesting. And so as a pastor, we always have to step back and say, what do, what do the people in my church slash community, because people hear you that are not sitting in front of you, what are they thinking? And how do I bring the gospel to that? And one of the big questions I asked was, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about the person who doesn't agree with you? It's not about being right or wrong. It's about being godly. Mm. So you have an opinion. 
they have an opinion. So my question to you, because I, I basically said some of you believe this, some of you believe this. What do you feel about the person who doesn't agree with you? That's what I want to talk about. And it, it was basically menacing the third option. There's a third option that God loves both those groups and he loves the cop. And so as a, as a believer, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to respond? Yeah. Is, it, is it about you being right or is it about you being righteous? And so as pastors, mm-hmm. we have to step back. You know, in, in culture, you have activists who are fighting one side against another. You have pacifists who are just saying, this, can't we all just get along? It, it's not really that bad. But then you have the prophet who stands above and says, there's a, there's a third option. It's God's standard of how we should love each other and, and, and support each other. And that, mm-hmm. that's the position as believers. We have to live a prophetic life. What is the kingdom of heaven? Because we're citizens yeah. of a different world. How, do, how does God see this? Yeah, and that's good. And, and ministry leader, you might uh, be dismissing this question because you go, "Well, I, you know, I don't have a mega church, and I have a, I don't have a staff. It's just me." But the reality is, a church by definition is community. Yeah. And so, the question you have to ask is, do I have multiple perspectives on whatever my leadership team is? If it's your if it's your elder board, if it's your key volunteers, uh, you know, the, the point I think is just get another perspective in the room. Because it will be just that one little check that goes, am I speaking to the whole room or am I just speaking to the me? And, yeah. it's, and it's even bigger than that. If you have a board that all looks like you and you all agree, that means that there's pe- that means you only have one perspective of the seven billion on the earth. Mm. Social narrative is a story that shapes how we see the world. It's what we learn from our family, our neighborhood, our mm-hmm. school. Well, there's seven billion people that have seven billion so- social narratives if you think yours is the right one, how arrogant is that? Mm -hmm. And so if everybody around you and everybody in your church thinks the same thing, you have a blind spot because there's so many perspectives you don't know. And so it's not only the people in your room, it's the community that you're speaking to. And so we as pastors, leaders, believers, as Christians in general, need to be all things to all people just because, because God said so, and because he's trying to reach everyone. God forbid you would be in the department store and you've never talked to a Hispanic person. And, but they live in your neighborhood. It's not like you've, you know, they're not in your universe. Right. And you've never, that, that's just not your world. And, and there's a guy dying or he, he asked for help and you say, well, that's not my audience. And you walk away. And I can go on the examples yeah. of that. You get what I'm saying? And it doesn't mean you have to understand the whole Latino culture. No, but you just have to understand that human beings made in the image of God all have the same need. They all have the same ability to respond to the love of God and the word of God. But because that's not your group, you wouldn't even go that far mm. to assume that. You assume that they think so different than you. That's the beauty of human race. And I am I, I consider myself a people expert. I never said that, but I, I just said it because I, I, I just love people and have come to the You're allowed to say it. Okay. I'm allowed to say it. I appreciate it. That, I, matter of fact, I just got back from Singapore literally two days ago. I flew in here to Newark straight from Singapore. And we were at a conference and all the people were from Asia, Indonesia, China, Japan, Korea, the Philippines, uh, Malaysia, and all people are the same. People are the same. Mm. They all have the same need. They all have the same heart. They all uh, understand the love of God. The same. We 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 are so the same. 
But we are convinced that there's some that are so different or some that are inferior, superior to us. And it is all lie from the devil. Hmm. So give some practical advice to the person that, that's going out to plant a church, build a church, right? How do they focus on sameness? Uh, in other words, how do they begin to build a multicultural community? They have to love multicultural. Um, I was I was speaking to some pastors the other day, and I did my talk about my book, and at the, at the end, I was talking about all this stuff. Mm. And at the end, a pastor said, um, most of us are with you, and then he asked a question. And because my time was short, I didn't have, I didn't take the time to confront his most of us are with you comment because I was going to tell him, if you're not with what I'm saying, please don't start a church. <laughs> and if you're not with what I'm saying, you should check whether you're saved. Now, I'm not saying they never yeah. asked Christ to be the savior, but please don't go around saying you're a Christian and you think that division is, is so I would back up and challenge people especially the pastor who wants to start a church. What is your geographic area? If you're in somewhere where you can't find anybody who doesn't look like you for 50 miles, then that's a different situation. Mm -hmm. But even in that situation, there are some who are low, lower economic level than you that you may think are trash. Mm -hmm. Find people, make sure you can relate and have conversations with people who are different than you. Mm -hmm. I have a chapter in the book called um, Race Conversations. And Every time you have a, every time you have a conversation with a person, you're having a race conversation. If you're white listening right now, and every time you talk to a white person, even if you're white, you're having a race conversation because you know they're white. You never say you don't see color when you talk to them because they're they're the same as you because you see that they're the same as you. And when you have that race conversation, that person that you're talking to is either reinforcing what you know about white people, or they are expanding your understanding of what you know about white people. So, and, and, and if you're having a conversation with someone who's different, then you know that too. You, you, you'll say different things, you'll be careful, because we know, it, we're, God, we should understand and respect and honor what God made. I would challenge people to have race consultations. What that means is that when you meet somebody, let them self-disclose to you who they are, mm. what they are. Because even though they may look like you, they may be from a completely different culture, speak a completely different language, and not look at the world the way you do, but you assume they did because they look like you. But if you re meet somebody from a different culture, different color, different language, don't impose on them what you think, because I guarantee you 100% there is more about them you don't know than you know. I would let them self-disclose to you, have a consultation, listen to their dreams, their, their pain, their struggles, their obstacles, and, and you will soon find out they're just like me. You know, it's fascinating to say that I have two friends uh, that are both um, have black skin. And, uh, you know, growing up, there was one kind of black, there's black, right? Um, and then as growing up in the Midwest, that that's it, you're black. <laughs> but, you know, as I got to know these two friends of mine, uh, one is traditionally African American, the other is British Black, mm -hmm. and those two those two perspectives <laughs> could not be more different than one another. And the greatest insult to these two friends of mine is to assume there's no difference between them. Exactly. Right. But I, if I hadn't asked, if I hadn't made enough mistakes in life, let's before mm -hmm. before Steve puts on this halo, right? Before I hadn't made those mistakes in life and realized, oh, you know, I better ask. Mm -hmm. To your point, tell me, how do you identify? then I would have not known that about them. I would have made assumptions. And, you know, lots of people are very sensitive enough not to even, they'll just be quietly offended. They don't even tell us that we're making mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's some, some will tell us, but 
that point is so so well taken. Don't don't assume. Let people, ministry leader, let people speak to you who they are. Because here's the other thing, all right, with, with labels, our culture is so hot on labels that um, the, the church has responded against that because we see some of the labels that they allow people to use as incongruent with our theology. And, and then we start having conversations with people, why don't you believe our theology before you even believe our God? Mm-hmm. And we fight around the wrong things. Let people label them whatever they want to label themselves. Mm-hmm. And then introduce him to Jesus because he's mm-hmm. got a really amazing label. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm I'm throw a wrench in this because this may this may really wreck some people. That's all right, you're allowed. Yeah. So we have a community of people that are transgender. Okay. So we put a label on them. That person was made in the image of God. That person was made to respond to the love of God. And when we put labels on people, we assume and we almost disqualify people from how we will treat them and love them and what we will share with them. What we almost assume that we can determine how they will, or will not respond to the gospel mm. and we negotiate ourselves out of ministry. And so let people self disclose to you their pain. You walk in church, everybody says, Hey, happy Sunday, pastor. Hey, happy Sunday, happy past Sunday. If you get happy Sundays with 10 people, you got in one of those, you got a divorce. Mm-hmm. You got a suicide. You got an addiction. You got a pornogra- pornographic addiction. In five of them. If I right, just just every single yeah. one of those people got something, but they're not telling you that. You have to sit there and okay, how you doing? How's the family? Okay, now let's talk. Yeah. So it happened. It's true for everybody we talk to. Yeah, and, and absolutely right. And ministry leader, here's what we have to never forget, and we have to continually remind ourselves: when Jesus Christ was walking this earth, he was having these conversations with ministry leaders. And we know the stories, and so, you know, this is Steve's pet peeve. When we know the story, we assume we know the story, so we no longer learn from the story. But Jesus was consistently saying exactly that. You're putting all sorts of labels on people so that you don't have to minister to them. That's the exact opposite of what I came to do. I came to minister to everybody, everybody. And in fact, I, I front load, I put to the front of the line the people that are the bloodiest, the neediest, the brokenest, the people that you put at the back of the line because you don't want to minister to them. And and we do that all the there's, there's so Gentile is a word we never use again, but it's a, it's a label that we use because it's been camouflaged with a thousand different words. Mm-hmm. And it's simply a way for ministry people, ministry leaders, because that's who Jesus was talking to. So I don't have to deal with you. You're too messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so anyway, sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox, but I amen to you, brother, what you're saying is, and, it, and it's not easy. There's, there's a million challenges in that, but God is bigger. Yeah. You know what? I think people shortchange the creativity and awesomeness of God's creation. Mm. You go to a prison and I've been to an unlimited amount of prisons, juvenile halls. And after you get past all the, you know, mugging and what's up, you know, the hardness, this, they're just people hurting people, yeah. made mistakes. Some didn't make mistakes. They got railroaded. Um, that's a whole nother topic. However, they're people and they're still made in the image of God. He didn't forsake them. And if we were going and just listen and talk to people, I can't, pastors, some spend so much time studying the book, but they don't study the people. They mm-hmm. exegete the scripture, but they don't exegete the community. And they and they preach a standard, but they but then so mm-hmm. out of touch with reality. And the best way to get in touch with reality is just to get in touch with people because it's all about people. And if you 
can learn that, listen, when you're in a hotel, next time you're in a hotel, next time you're at a restaurant, look the person who's serving you, cleaning your room in the eye, ask mm-hmm. them their name, and smile at them, ask them how you can pray for them, ask them where they're from, learn another language and speak to people in their language and you'll all of a sudden make friends and you'll see often those people who are serving us or from another place feel so um, demeaned that they won't even look you in the eye because they feel like they're just going to get beat down. Can you be the person that speaks life to them? Yeah, that's a good word. I'm going to bring it to a close right there. Ministry leader, can can we get uncomfortable a little bit because we're moving out of what we know into new places? And one of the things that I love what Pastor Miles said today, and I think it was threaded throughout what you were saying, is don't shortchange the power of Jesus Christ to transform everything. Our vision, the people that we see, the conditions of the people are in currently, and don't believe that anyone's too far gone to bring back to the place where diversity is just a normal thing because that's how God made us. So thanks for, for challenging us, for, for pushing us to think about it deeper, for speaking intelligently about a conversation that people like to turn intelligence off to have. They like to speak with passion but not intelligence. I appreciate you brought mm-hmm. both to the conversation. Would, uh, would you pray for us? Mm-hmm. Would you pray for us as a church to just let go of the things that we need to let go of and hold on to the things we need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Thanks, brother. Lord, there's a spirit of division, a very intelligent, strategic plan to divide people and mm-hmm. plant in our hearts and minds justification for division, justification for us to pick our side against another side. Mm. But you are the spirit of unity. You are the spirit of love and forgiveness and reconciliation. You break down those walls. Mm. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would stir our hearts to want to know those who are different than us from the outward appearance, those who we think are inferior or superior to us in our own mind. Mm -hmm. I pray you would give us a desire to know people, honor people, see similarity, honor and value what we have in common, Mm. and learn from the things that are different that, that we share. And I just thank you for this opportunity and pray supernaturally that you would stir our hearts and, and especially the leaders, that you give leaders, pastors, boldness and courage to, to learn, humility to learn, mm. but the boldness and courage to speak true from their pulpit and to not only challenge the people who are like them, but also to minister to the people who are not like them yes. and to, to lead organizations where people, all people feel welcome. They feel like it's the kingdom of God on earth. You said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it's going to be diverse in heaven. Matthew 25 says all the nations are going to be standing before you. So we pray that our churches can express and represent heaven uh, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, folks, for listening. We'll see you next time on the Collide Leadership Podcast. Glide Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Rethink Creative, a brand strategy and design studio for churches, ministries, and nonprofits. Take your organization to the next level through branding, web design, and video. Check them out at rethinkcreative.com.